following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Woo! Good morning. Punch the one beside you said, you awake? Come on, say, are you awake? Boy, it's, it's easy to get sleepy-eyed in days like this. I mean, your eyes can just kind of start closing. You know, the, sh- the shades are coming down. And, uh, and so you need to just kind of get a little robotics in you. Come on, just kind of move your arms a little bit like this, especially you older people. Come on. Come on. I'm doing it. Now move your legs a little. Come on, move your legs. We're not going to do the hokey pokey, put your left foot in, take your left foot on in. Just move a little bit. Now I want you to stand up. I want you to turn around to somebody and say, you look better than I do. And don't lie. Oh, there's a lying spirit in the house. Keep standing. Keep standing. We might stand several times here today. I feel a little Catholic in me today. Amen. And I want more than just a cough or a yawn from you when I say something that's decent. I want somebody to say, mm, or amen, or yes, or whatever. You know, preach, whatever. But anyhow, I'm not asking you to holler. I'm just asking you to kind of stay with me here today. See that girl right over here? Where you at, baby? There you are. She's in the dark over there. On Tuesday, we'll be married 37 years. <laughs> Yay for me. Boy, when she came into my life, I was slobbering. I was, I was hurting. I was in pain and had a little girl trying to raise, and she walked in our world and just flat out healed all of us. And when we came to Austin in 1990, it was nine years after my tragedy, and, and uh, uh, we were healed. And, and we also had healing with this congregation in the growth of this church. And what a joy to welcome you all here today. It's just an honor. I am, I am I'm Pastor Rex, and uh, I'd rather be called that than Pastor Johnson, because Pastor Johnson sounds real old. <laughs> So just call me Pastor Rex or some one, one, Ricardo Sanchez writes me and he says P-Rex. I don't know if you need to do that because it's like I'll have to go to the bathroom or something. I don't want to do that, all right? Everybody say uphill habits. We're studying this. It's our third week. How many enjoyed Mike Barber last week? Did you enjoy Mike? Wasn't he good? He was good. Got to represent. I'm wearing a bracelet today. I'm not a bracelet man. I'm really not, but I'm wearing this bracelet. The little thing that I wear that's black on this wrist says, give grace a chance. It's my theme in life. But this bracelet is, was given to me by Bob Roper in first service, and it was so big it fell off my wrist. And then I had a wonderful mechanic fix it for me in between services. And I'm wearing it. It's a, it's a Fishers of Men bracelet. So I'm going to wear it in Bob's honor today. He's our CR director, Celebrate Recovery. And I'm so happy to be wearing this, and it'll probably bug me so much. I'll, uh, I'll pull it off for third service, but you get the honor of having a braceleted pastor preach to you today. I want you to say, I'm going to help you, pastor. I'm not going to be lengthy. You may be seated uphill habits, part three. You know, we form habits in our life and then they form us. We're the sum total of things that we do over and over. And some of those things are good and some are not so good. And we're trying to change that. So the thesis is most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. They have hope of a better year, so they have resolutions and they have dreams, they have visions, but they still have those downhill habits. I love hope. The Bible calls it the anchor of the soul. The Bible says it's a comfort. I love to preach about it, 
But hope is not a strategy. It's not a strategy. It'll get you going, but it won't keep you going. It really won't. What we need is habits. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but that's the problem, Pastor. I've tried to change my habits. I've tried to change my ways. I've tried to do things. And, but have you let God help you? Have you let the good Lord help you with those habits? Romans 12 says, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. Involve God in the process. And you're in church today, so it's obvious that you're trying. And I thank God for that. I give you a hand clap today. What men try to do, though, is from the outside in. And what God wants to do is from the inside out. Because he'll work on your heart. He'll change your motivation. He'll change your desires. He'll heal your past. And we need to respond to what he is trying to do, not what we're trying to do in our own method. The culture around us drags us down to immaturity. But God wants to bring the best out of you. He wants you to know him. He wants, he wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover purpose. And he wants you to make a difference. And I'm going to make a bold statement. So do we as your church. We want you to do the same. See, God loves you no matter where you are, right where you are right now. But he wants to take you to where he desires you to be. And so this series is about self-help habits. This series is about God-help habits. This series is about God on your side habits. And they give you a chance to become exciting stuff. But they're still all uphill because they're not easy. See, it's not a 30-second prayer at an altar or somebody praying with you that gets this done. It takes effort to change your life. Everything uphill, everything worthwhile is uphill. And realize that, but it's doable. Everybody say okay? okay. So we're given, we're given four habits over four Sundays. And we started this three Sundays ago. Brad taught the first one. It was first things. And I, I love the fact of first things. Don't underestimate the power of first things. This 21-day prayer that we had in our church, I want to clap to the Lord for that. We never had over 150 people at 6 o'clock in the morning on any day. We had folks here by the droves every day, and I love the first, starting our first year, first of the year with prayer. First things just work. Then the second thing I taught was we have, we have to control our thoughts, and if you miss that, go online and get it. Because it is, it's something you have to do. Today, habit number three, I must keep my life aligned with my purpose. Everybody say purpose and alignment. I must stay aligned. I must keep my life aligned with the reason I'm on this planet in the first place. Now, I see a chiropractor. In fact, I've got several chiropractors in this church. And I would say I go fairly regularly to a chiropractor. He may say unregularly, unregularly because he wants to probably work on me more than what I let him work on me. But sometimes I'll sleep wrong, get a crick in my neck, and, or I'll go out and play golf or something, and I'll swing the club wrong or reach down and pick up a ball at my age, and something goes, oh, God. And I realize I've got to get fixed, and I can feel it. Or sometimes on the golf course, I break three ribs. I don't know how that happened, but I know I'm never going to get straightened out unless I go see somebody that knows how to straighten me out. And so it's kind of a neat experience. I really enjoy it because it's so amazing how quickly you feel better. I walk out of the office and say, woo, let me tee it up again, baby. I'm ready to play. However, I've learned something very interesting about the spine and going to a chiropractor, about the alignment of a spine. I can have a pain in one place and the problem's in another place. Let me say that again. I can have a pain in one place and the problem being another place, like I'll go in the dock, say, where does it hurt? And I say, well, it's back in my lower back, down in my hip. I think my sciatic nerve. I'm trying to, I'm trying to rule over myself. I'm trying to make my own hypothesis and guess what's wrong with me. And he'll pull on my leg for crying out loud. And I said, no, doc, it's in my lower back and in my, down in my hip. And then he says, I'll go another time. He says, now, where is it at today? And I said, well, it's in my shoulder, really. 
it's in my shoulder. He'll pop my neck for crying out loud and my shoulder gets feeling better. And I got to thinking, you know, there's something to this because every time I tell him where the pain is, he don't never really attack the pain. He attacks the place where probably is the problem. And then I studied this and it's called referred pain. Pain is called referred pain. It's a pain in one place, but the problem is in the other. Now, I, we, got, we got to preach on this and that's a lot of our lives. Our pain is in one place, but the pain is not your problem. Your problem is the pain is just reflecting. It's just referring. Normally, the problem is an out of, out of alignment spine. The spine has to be aligned because everything works by the spine of your back and you have to get yourself aligned again if you get out of alignment. You must get back to the real thing. And I can't think of anything more important that brings definition to your money, your marriage, your time, your kids, your family, your job and everything. One of the hallmarks of the vision of our church is to help you discover your purpose. Now stay with me. And I have discovered the best way to pastor people is not to help them perhaps solve their problems. I know it hurts there, but there's another problem, and here it is. If one knew why they were on this planet, it would give them so much more direction and healing to all those other places. I'm telling you, the spine of your spiritual walk is your purpose. Come on, clap your hands real big. When you find that purpose, when you find the reason you're here, all of a sudden the things that you thought were bugging you just kind of go away. In fact, when I'm preaching the gospel, folks, I don't have any pain from shingles for crying out loud. I don't have a pain one. I could, I could outrun Jesse Owens right now in the 36 Olympics. I could do it because I feel no pain. But I get out of this place and I feel a little pain and I say, I need to get back in that pulpit because that's my purpose. So what I'm trying to preach about today is simply this. I want to I talk to you about alignment to my purpose, why it's so critically important. Number one is it's because I have a purpose and it's the spine of my life. Say, it's the spine. Not only for preachers, not only for people that lead, but for everybody. Everybody has a purpose in your life. There's a reason why you were born. And I put it on the screen. It says, no, every single one of you have a God-given, designed purpose. And I wanted to read it like that. That's why I put the little dots there. Look at it real good. Every single one of you have a God-given designed purpose. Clap your hands and say, I receive that. <laughs> See, your life will never make sense until you align your life with your reason for being here. David said, all the days that God ordained for me, and I know that we've added a few chapters to that. If you're like me, I added a few, and I promise God didn't write the ones that I added. But he said, all the days ordained for me are written in a book before one of them ever came to be. And some of you are thinking, yep, and I've already messed up my book. No, you haven't. You say, yeah, pastor, I've added some chapters in my book that I shouldn't have added to my book. But let me tell you something. Understand who's still the author of your book. And God's not going to give up easy. And he's going to write the final thing in your chapter in your book. So understand that if you turn your life over to God, he'll write something good in the book and say, that's the greatest epilogue I've ever written in my life. God has the unique ability to make the last chapter he wrote still fit in our life, no matter how many chapters you have added, and that's a fact. If you could only believe and only imagine, I, 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 write, in about, I write in about 20 font, about 22 font. I know some of you write in eight font, and you can read it, but I can't. And sometimes I want to put it real big. So I put a real big 26 font line here. It says, purpose is so big. If you could understand how powerful purpose was in your life,
And if you could align yourself to that purpose in your life, there's no telling what God would do for you. The Bible said in Ephesians that we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. We're specially crafted. We're his handiwork. We're his masterpiece. We're his that we're that beautiful created painting. We're his poema. We're his song. He sings about us all day long. And not just to exist. Not just to pay bills. Not just to go to school. Not just to go on vacation. Not just to live. No, to do the work that God has prepared in advance. I want to put that word on the screen. Everybody say advance. God is not chasing you with purpose. You're running into your purpose every time you turn around. Because God's in front of you. He's saying, here it is again. I'm laying it out before you. I'm not going to chase you with this. I'm going to stand in front of you and say, I've already prepared this for you. You want to get on board with me? Somebody want to get on board with Jesus today and find your purpose? He's waiting on you in the front of you. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't make you and say, hmm, what can I do with old Rex today? Actually, Rexydale. Actually, you know, he's from West Texas. My God, what can I do with him? What am I going to do with this kid? I guess he wouldn't say my God. I guess he'd say I God because he is God. But God had a purpose for my life. He had a purpose for my life when I was a little old kid in a little oil town called Sundown. He had a purpose for my life when I was going through junior high and high school in Leveland. And when I went back to my class reunion last year, after 50 years, I graduated at eight, by the way. The rest of them graduated at 18. They, 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 they introduced me this way. Little old Rexy has grown up and become a preacher. But I knew that when I was a little old kid and I just had to stay in my purpose because when I got out of my purpose, I knew I was failing and missing God's will in my life and it caused me tragedy and hurt and pain when I was just a young kid. But when I yielded to the purpose of God, all of a sudden things started getting better in my life. And I promise you, it may not be a call to preach in your life, but God has a reason for you existing on the planet today. Come on, somebody, help me preach. Here's a cool quote. We need to live by design, not by default. We must live our lives. Leave it up there for just a moment and know what we're doing. I'm just not going to let life come to me and just wrestle me down. I'm going to let it, not let it define me. I'm going to take a hold of it and say, I'm going to live this kind of life in this world, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do in my life. The second reason this habit is so important is there is competition for my time and my attention. Do you believe that? Have you all realized that credit card companies have a plan for your life? You know what they want to know? What's in your wallet? And you know, when, when Samuel L. Jackson says it, it don't bother me, but when that little Garner girl does it, I want to check my wallet and see what's in it. Amen. Because they want to know what you have. What do you have? If you let someone else define your life, they will. You must decide how you're going to live your life or the rest of the world will define it. And ain't nobody got time for that. You don't need to be trying to let the world define your life. You need to let God define your life. Amen. Oh, I want to preach a little bit here. And we'll start adding things to our life that's not supposed to be a part of our life. And at the bottom line is most of us are doing too much anyhow. We're buying too much. We're trying to fit it too much, fit in too much. You know, you know we buy stuff for, for, for real price. And some of, y'all, some of you ladies probably get discounted prices like my wife does. But we buy stuff rich and we sell stuff poor. And, and you know, we, we, we fill our closets and we say, what are we going to do? Well, we've got to get rid of it. And we've got to get rid of it so we can get more of it. Then we've got to get rid of it later so we can get more of it. Why don't we just get rid of it sometime and leave our closet with some space between our clothes? And leave some space in there for our shoes, you know. 
I'm, I'm sorry, my, I'm not speaking about my wife. I've got more shoes than a man needs. And I took about 30 pair to the, to the Goodwill not long ago and I looked in my closet the other day and I said, my God, they're, they're growing. They're like rabbits, they're producing. But that's not, that's not what God wants in our life. He don't want, you know, there's this thing that, that more is better. You know, everything more is better. If $1 is good, $2 is, come on now. If one Krispy Kreme is good, two Krispy Kremes are, if one pint of Bluebell is good, two pints of Bluebell is, that felt pretty good on the 15th day. That, that sounded pretty good on the 15th day of my fast. If one car is good, two cars are, if one kid is good, two kids are, that's quieter. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to say that one, did you? If one wife is good, two wives are wrong. <laughs> Don't you go there. Don't you do that. Heard a story about a seminary student that asked his professor one day why Solomon had so many wives. And the professor said, well, it was in hopes that when he came home, one of them would be in a good mood. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Forgive me. I'm a bad pastor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I have sinned. And all the ladies are going to hate me. I promise I'll never do that again until next service. I promise. <laughs> Here's a great quote, and it's so true. An overwhelmed schedule is often, produced, often produces an underwhelmed soul. Many of us have problems, and again, you're trying to fix the problem. You're not going and finding the solution. I'm telling you, it's around your purpose and your schedule and your time. It's called referred pain. Solomon, David's son, wrote it this way. He said, and I Johnsonized this. this I put it in my vernacular. He said, better is one handful even though I have two hands and I'm only going to grab one handful worth and I'm going to get some tranquility in my life than having two handfuls and I have now toil and I'm chasing after the wind. I'm going to tell you something. It's all right just to have one handful and let your other hand just kind of rest a little bit. Have some tranquility in your life. And the third reason is why this habit is critical is because time is so short and it is. Folks, I'm going to tell you something and I, I, I don't talk about this much but the Lord's coming. My name is Pastor Rex, and I'm here to encourage you. I'm no eschatologist. That's a person that theologians call people that, that, that write about the coming of the Lord and know about the end times. But I can read the Bible, and there's a lot of scripture in that Bible that tells me that Jesus is coming soon. And Jesus said, if you start seeing these things, your house, you better get your house in order. I'm coming soon. I'm telling you, there's, there's turmoil in our world. You hear me? There's stuff in our world that's going on. The best way I can read it, I can't see one that is not either fulfilled or being fulfilled. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's about time to look up because our redemption's drawing nigh. Anybody excited about that? Anybody excited about that? I am. I'm excited about that. Amen. Amen. The book of James says it this way. Now listen, those of you who say, oh, today, you know, maybe we'll do it tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe next week we'll go to this city and maybe we won't even go to that city. Maybe we'll go to that other city. And so casual. And when we get there, we'll just carry on business and make money. But the Bible says you don't really realize that you're not even promised tomorrow. Let me get serious. What are we thinking? Why are we thinking that way? What is your life? You're just a mist. You're just a vapor, James said. You're here for a little while and then you vanish. And I never realized it so strongly as I saw my dear buddy who was just in this pulpit a few years ago preaching with strength. And now he's 70 years old and he's laying a vegetable in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a life support machine. I'm telling you, we're just here today and gone tomorrow. And, and, and I'm not trying to be negative today, but you can go out to a cemetery and they're not old people out there dead. 
There's young people that are gone and we've got to understand we've got to grasp things while we got our hands full. We've got to get ready and hold on to some things. God wants to give you a purpose in your life before he takes you out of here. Clap your hands and rejoice to that and say, I want that in my life. I've got to figure out on this planet, I have to follow God's will for my life. I've been impacted in my thinking a lot over the last several years. Things and people and books have shaped me. I heard a man speak, Dr. John Maxwell, about two and a half, three years ago on how to be a soul winner. And I still wake up with tears in my eyes because I want to be that. I want to be a fisher of men. Let me pull it down here. I want to be that fisher of men. I want to be that person. I want to be the person that can find people that need Jesus and just give them Jesus right there. And know that their life is not just going to be changed momentarily, but it's going to be changed forever. That's what it's all about. And he's written, this man's written over 70 books and he calls one of them Today Matters. Do you know that today does matter? This is the precious present because it's right now and it happens right now based on this might be the day. This might be the day that you'll be remembered forever. This could be the day that people will never forget about you because you could make a difference in my life. And it's not an unhealthy thought to think to get my life in alignment today. In fact, the book goes on to say, I can never change my life until I change the thing I'm doing every day. And a lot of us want to change in our life, but we don't want to change what we do every day. We need God's help to help us. And again, I submit to you, don't go after habits. Don't go after other habits. You know, like some people say, well, I'm 75. I think I'm going to take up skydiving. That's not what I'm talking about. Or I'm 82. I'm, never, I don't, I'm tone deaf, but I'm going to learn to play the piano. Don't, no, I'm not talking about that. Make some habits that will glorify yourself and glorify God and find your purpose. I'm going to give you four things, and I want you to jot them down, and then we're going to go home here in just a little bit. I want to give you four things. You have to decide what is really important. Let me ask you, what's important to you? Come on, look around you. Is family important to you? Is church important to you? Come on, help me. Is Jesus important to you? Is relationship with people important to you? You have to define. You have to define what is important. But things are being defined many times by the urgent. They're being defined by someone else. They're being, you know, there's not many people... That's ever heard anybody on deathbed say he'd, have, he'd like to have a chance to go back and spend one more hour in his office. But he would like to spend one more hour with his family or one more hour with his pastor. Isn't it interesting how demanding life can be and how many times we would say, and that's not really what's important. That's not important. Now I realize we have all these to-do things. You know, I never felt called in my life to take out the trash, Okay. She's over there. <laughs> Tonight's our trash night, and I'll take out the trash. But I never felt called to do that. And I never felt called to wash the dishes, thank God. We have a dishwasher. But I have, I have cleaned off a few in my life, but Patty usually says I don't do it right, and I'm so happy I don't do it right. <laughs> See, that's not on my list of things to do. But I must not let other things cause me to lose my priority. Have you ever gone through a, an exercise where you actually define to remind yourself about your priorities? What are your priorities in life? Let me tell you a joke. You're getting a little serious on me. So a man went to the Super Bowl last week, had tickets on the 50-yard line, halfway up, perfect seats. The game had already gone, been going for a while, and there was an empty seat beside him. And the other guy on the other side of the empty seat said, man, who's that seat for? And he said, well, that seat was for my wife, but she died. The man said, really, that's awesome that you kind of held that in her memory, but you know... 
those tickets cost thousands of dollars and you could have given that seat to at least one of your relatives. He said, no, I couldn't. The guy said, why not? He said, because they're all at the funeral. Is that guy in the house today? Did he come from Atlanta to Austin today? Is he in the house? I need to preach to him. Paul said, whatever was to my profit. I figured out longer, the longer I live and the closer I get to Jesus, it wasn't all that important. Whatever was to my profit, I now considered loss for the sake of Christ. And I realized my life was not wrapped around the right things. Those things are not even important to me. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of the Lord in my life. God has been so good to me and what I had was trash, he said. Now what I have is treasure. Oh, can somebody hear a pastor preaching to you today? You need to make Jesus Lord of your life. You need to make his purpose your purpose today. Come on, clap your hands real big. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to get on that I believe in Jesus level. You need to get on I'm going to church as much as I can level. You know, folks, it's an hour of Sunday. Is that really too much, an hour of Sunday? Is that really too much? And I know you're here, but I think we ought to come every time we get up on Sunday and say, thank God we got a church to go to on Sunday. Come on, clap your hands real big. Amen. Here's number two. Number one, you got to decide what's important. Number two, you got to give calendar time to your important things. Now, let me talk just a minute. I'm not far from closing. That's not genius, what I just said. Many people have values and they don't show up on their calendar. But if you value it, you've got to give it calendar time. You've got to give it some time. I mean, a date night between me and that girl over there is a must on Monday. We do dates on Monday. And I take her to great restaurants. Been to Mighty Fine Sonic. <laughs> no, I'm not cheap. We Papa Doe's people. We Papa Cedar's people. We Jack Allen people. We'll go get pickup at Jack Allen. I love Jack Allen. If Jack Allen's going to church here, I just made you a great commercial. We go to Chewy's. I love Chewy's. I love Chewy's. I love Chewy's. I love all the people at Chewy's. We think Chewy's is a neat place. We just do that. And then sometime if something's good showing, we go see a movie. And uh, after I've eaten... Sitting through a movie that's not real good. She has to wake me up. <laughs> but 37 years Tuesday. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Come on. If you're going to value your family, you've got to spend time with them. My wife, we have family night every Sunday night. Every Sunday night, I don't want to stay long on this, but every Sunday night, we bless those kids. We've got five kids, five grandkids, eight years and younger, and it's like Hurricane Ike has come back in the house and everything's torn up. And so they start singing a song, clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere, clean up, clean up, everybody do their share. And some of them don't do their share (laughs) because I step on some of those toys in the night after they're gone. And I have to go back to the chiropractor to fix my feet, amen. You gotta fill your calendar with precious things before you start filling your calendar with other things. David said in Psalms 90, Lord, teach me to number my days. Help me spend today like I'm supposed to every day. I try to do five things, and I'm not far from closing. I'd have to do them all day, but I do them every day. Take a minute and just do them. You know, I compare it to taking an axe and going to a tree that needs to be felled 
and hit that axe. Boom, 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 boom. Put the axe down. Lay it down. Come back the next day, pick up the axe and do it five more times. Instead of straining yourself and trying to take an axe, a, a tree down in one day, hit it five times a day. After a while, that old tree is going to fall over because you've come back every day and spent about 30 seconds hitting it five times. And I want to declare, sometimes in your life, you have to come to a conclusion. There's five things. There's five things I'm going to do. Say, I have five principles in my life. I have five principles, but there's five things I do every day. And when I get up in the morning, I'm not trying to put this on you. I'm really not. But you, got, you, need some, you need to figure out what you're going to do. You need to put this on your calendar. There's five things I do. You know what the first thing is? I pray. Now, I don't get down in travail and say, oh, God, oh, God. I don't do that. But I get up and say, how you doing, Jesus? Everything all right? <laughs> your world's pretty good. My world's messed up right now. Need a little help today. Thank you for being my Lord. I love you very much. Now, I'm going to get my shoes on, Lord. I'm going to comb my hair. It won't take me long, but I'll be right out here in just a minute. <laughs> And I pray, maybe a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Then I come to church and I walk in my office and I'll pray a little more and I'll walk around. I've got some ruts in my office and I'll walk around and I'll pray. But I don't get, I don't get in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tizzy about prayer. I just talk to him. I just talk to him like I'm talking to you right now. Then I go to my computer and I pull up some scripture or something and I try to read something interesting in the Bible. Because, you know, I've been here 29 years and I preached everything I know to y'all. I need some new stuff. So I read the Bible every day. And I say, oh, I like that. I'll preach that to the church. So I read the Bible every day. That's the second thing I do. The third thing I do is every day I try to love those closest to me, like Patty. I, I, I need to love Patty. I need to let Patty know I love her. I need to let Patty know she's special. I need to let Patty know that, the, that our anniversary is coming up. She can buy me something also. I need to let her know that. <laughs> and if Valentine's coming up and if I'm her Valentine, I need something too. Amen. Glory to God. But my kids, I need to get close to my kids. Am I helping you today? Am I helping you today? I did, this is what I do. This is how I live. This is what I'm about. That my kids are important. I love to hug my kids. I love my children. I love them. They're just, they're just little rugrats, but I love them. I love my grandkids. I love them. I love my daughters. I love my son-in-laws. I need to show them that. And my team, I love, I love, I love, I love the people that I hire to work here. I love them. They're all special, and I love you. I love you folks. I love to talk to you. It's an honor. It's an honor to get up here and preach to you on Sunday morning. I just feel good about that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And every day, my fifth thing, and every day, or the fourth thing, every day I try to make a difference in someone's life. I promise God if he would let me, let me uh, preach this gospel that I would I try to make a difference in somebody's life every day. And sometimes I get to the end of the day and I hadn't made a difference in somebody's life and I'll text four or five people. If you give me your number, you may be on my Rolodex someday. I don't know. And I may text you, but I want somebody to know that they're special and that they matter and that they're a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. And I love that. And then every day I try to take care of myself. You got to take care of yourself. I got, a, I, got a, I got a good brother here, a doctor here on the front row that calls me and texts me all the time and says, take care of yourself, Pastor. And I, I've been doing that a long, long time, but I love people to remind me. I got to take care so that I can take care of others. You got to refresh yourself. You have to do that. Some of you are working too hard. Some of you moms have a zillion irons in the fire. And you dads, you business leaders, you're trying to fit in too much in your life. And you need to understand the principle of the Sabbath. Six days shall a man work and he shall rest. <laughs> Come on now. You can't, you can't do it all. You can't do it all. Ask Chick-fil-A if six days works. <laughs> I rest my case. You can get more done in six, giving one day to God, resting your spirit and your soul and your body. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, therefore I don't lose heart. 
Help me, Paul, because I'm about to lose heart over here. Yes, just like you, I was outwardly wasting away, but every day, Everybody around me was pulling on me, and yet inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. You've got, you got to make time for this. You've got to make relationships with God, with people. You need to get in the life group. You need to get and start, start, uh, start here. You need to go there. You need to, you need to join on and do what we're doing around here. You need to be a part. Plant yourself in the church. Make relationships. This is a pretty good church you're worshiping in right now. It's a pretty great place. Come on, clap your hands. It's a pretty good place that you're worshiping in right now. In fact... I'm going to go ahead and say it's a great place that you are right now. Come on. I'm going to go ahead and brag. It's a great place where you are right now. Clap your hands real big. Be a part of what we're doing here. And then you need to make time for your reward. You know your reward. Your reward. Someday we're all going to face him. Look up here for a minute. You're going to stand before God. And I, my job is to prepare you so that you'll pass the final exam. You're going to meet God. That's why I preach and teach every Sunday. God's not going to ask you about commitment to him but he'll ask you how did you leverage your life that I gave you what did you do what did you do with your life it's really important that you get there and you're living your life on purpose making a difference and doing things for reward you got to impact life Solomon said this I've seen all things that are un- done under the sun and I've done them all and I did it all and after I did them all and I went there all and traveled all and spent all and had it all and found it all it was meaningless and I'll repeat it. It's like chasing the wind. You can't never catch it. The third thing, and I'm, I'm almost closed here. You've got to eliminate the non-essentials. Now, I'm going to be real quick here. I'm going to be real quick here because I don't want to make you angry. I don't want to make you angry. I think I made the first church angry, and I'll get some letters this week. But Hebrews said, throw off everything that hinders in the sin that easily entangles us so we can run our race with perseverance. The race has been marked out for us. We've got to eliminate some things. Now, listen to me. One of the decisions that Patty and I made when our kids were growing up and we had daughters. We had daughters. And you say, Pastor, would have been different if your son lived? I don't know. I don't know that. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing more important than your, your child having a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, some of us have pushed our children so much into sports, into choirs, into, into activities in the church that they're, they're, they're burnt out when they get in high school. They're burnt out when they, they don't want to even do it anymore because they've been, they've been told to do this, this, this. And it's really, our, it's really the parents that are pushing our kids. And I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm not trying to hurt you. But I want to tell you something. We made a decision when we were in, our kids were in school that our girls played a little basketball and, and then they got in the choir and then they was in all kinds of programs in the school. And we made, it, we made a decision that our kids were not going to be owned by the world every night of the week. We made that decision. So we said pick, pick something that you like and you're good at and let's go for it. And they both enjoyed singing. And it worked. Here's what I want to declare to you. Some of you need to just back off a little bit and let, let your kids just not have to live every day doing something and chasing the wind and trying to get two handfuls. You got to back off and say, you know what, kid? We need to put some priorities in our life and we need to meet Jesus, number one priority in our life. Can somebody help me right now? Come on, raise your child. I promise you, I promise you, they'll never get burnt out with Jesus right here. They'll never get burnt out. There won't, there won't be any burnout with Jesus. Clap your hands and say, I believe that. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all in all in their life. They need him in their life. So you got to eliminate the non-essentials. you got to say, no, no, no. You know, some of us are so busy. When we tell our kids it's time to eat, they go all get in the car. They know they're not going to have anything at the table. That's the way it is. I hate that pizza commercial 
where that guy dings that little bell and one girl's cheering and one boy's playing some video games and one girl's teaching the class and they have to come home to Domino's? Pizza. Isn't that amazing? That's the commercials we're seeing now because we're all so busy. We just have time for pizza. Let me tell you something. You need more than pizza at your house. You need love. You need the presence of God. You need some meatloaf every now and then. You need a roast beef every now and then. And you need to hug one another around the house and understand that this is our house and we're going to do our family and God's going to help us. Amen. Say amen to that. I close with this. I close with this. The fourth thing you have to do, and I close, you have to take inventory. Randy, if you'll help me. You need to stop for a moment and say, where's my life out of line? Where's it at? And what I think are real problems are really because I'm out of alignment. I need to get back aligned. David said, remind me, Lord. Remind me that my life is brief. My days are numbered. My life is fleeing away. And he said, my life is no longer than the width of my hand. The entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is just a breath. Finding purpose in your life is the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do. Pain leaves when the spine of purpose gets aligned. It'll leave you. It'll leave you. Everybody say, Lord, Lord. help me decide what's really important. Help me give calendar time to important things. Help me eliminate the non-essentials. And let me take inventory of my life today. Amen. You know, this is a church that'll give you rest. This is a restful church. And today's probably the hardest I've preached about things in a long time. I'm a lifter, but I want to help you. I want to help you as a pastor. It's important. It's important that you get a grip on this thing called purpose. It's really important. And I want you to walk out of here today believing that my purpose is understanding and following the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said, if you're having struggles finding the way, said, follow the, the footsteps of the flock. There's a flock of people here. There's a wonderful group of sheep in this house that are following after Jesus Christ. And you need to get involved in what the church is doing. I, I, I want your kids to be great. I, I wanted my daughter, I wanted my daughter to win American Idol. I really did. She went a long ways. Somebody's laughing at that. She really did good. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> you can laugh all you want to. But when she, when she failed and when she was cut that last night, she came to me crying and we went out and to a place better than mighty fine. And we fed her in California. We told her everything was going to be all right. And she really thought that it would be cool if a Christian kid could, could win that. And she got close. She really did. But I wonder, she'd be here today. I just wonder, the world wants you bad. And one judge came up to her and said, you see what you got to give now to make it in this thing called singing. And she said, I see it. I see it. But I'm so glad that my daughter chose the path she chose. Got her education, got a teacher's certificate, then married this kid from Mississippi who loves Alabama. I don't understand that. (laughs) 
and they're young pillars in this church. And we're touching thousands of lives every week. Because purpose matters. Purpose matters. Randy Jackson looked at me and he said, Pastor, your daughter's got one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my life. said, the longer she sings, the better she sounds. She's embarrassed right now. I'm bragging. I said, thank you, Randy. I said, do you really know singing, Randy? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. But he hugged my neck. He said, I know what you're doing. You got a gift. Thank you for following Jesus Christ. Thank you for following Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, sing it. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and let me bless you before we leave. Dear Father, I thank you for today. Wow. I thank you for purpose. I thank you for purpose. When it's out of line, God, we have a lot of pain. But when it's in line, we have a lot of joy. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And thank you for a church that really believes in you and what you can do in our lives and in our hearts. Now bless us today and let us leave here better people than what we were when we came in. And thank you, Lord, for letting these people get up on a, on a cold, wet day and come to the house of God and fill this church up. I love these people. We're going to heaven together, Lord. We're going to be with you. We're going to show you what we did to leverage our life. Put it in your hands. Thank you for everyone. You're awesome to us. You heal us. You save us. You forgive us. Take us now to a greater level in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Put your hands together for the word today before we depart.